history with the podcast guy, Matt King. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to our podcast. Unfortunately, for some, our topics that we talk about may be offensive to some people. The topics that we discuss could also be triggers, and we want you to be aware of that. If you are in need of help, please talk to a professional, a family member, or a friend. We are not medical professionals, and we don't claim to be. We are just two guys with a microphone and a platform. Please listen with discretion. Welcome to This Time in History, guys. I'm Matthew. Welcome back for another special episode. This one's really, really special. It's kind of a tie-in with the uh, 2022 Municipal Election mini-series that I've been doing. One interview every week right up until the election. But in July, as you guys know by now, because this is going to air in the beginning of July... Uh, it's going to be two e- two interviews every week right up until the election. With me today, I have Mr. Nick Kosovin. He's a he's a columnist. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Matthew. And uh, for the listeners, why don't you introduce yourself and tell them about your columns, and then we can uh, get right down to business. Yeah, sure. So I write uh, two columns. One is on social media. Uh, a very holistic view called uh, Digitized Coffee with Nick. My other column is called The Art of Finding Work, which is really a column about finding work, but with my background from a more, uh, let's say, pragmatic point of view like that. So it's a real truth look at how to find work, uh, full with truth bombs and so forth, and that's also published across uh, Canada like that. Currently living in the east side of Toronto, uh, I guess people call it still Scarborough, I hear it all the time, and Ward 24. Uh, so glad to be here. Well, I'm in Ward 1, but uh, for 13 years I lived in the former uh, Ward 6, I guess now it's Ward 3. Mark Grimes uh, was and is the counselor. So mm-hmm. uh, with that in mind, I just wanted to talk about municipal politics as a whole and then compare it to maybe what needs to happen going forward because i i feel like you know we're we're coming out of the pandemic we're kind of at a crossroads certain things need to happen um in order for us to i guess i don't know if the right phrasing is is heal from the pandemic and and because i've heard it from from the people i've interviewed i've heard it off air from other people Toronto is bleeding money the city is bleeding money and all these there, there are certain things that need to happen there's a lot of things that people don't know and the right decisions have to be made on October 24th correct definitely definitely um, so I'll start with what I think is a big red flag and that was the low participation rate which surprised me more than anything, uh, to be honest with you, from what I've seen on social media. Uh, of the general election, or the uh, Ontario election that just passed a couple of weeks ago. So it was not even 50%, 42% some or whatever, like that. And I thought that was going to be a lot higher, uh, you know, that people would be more, to be honest with you, angry with Doug Ford to vote him out of office. But apparently that wasn't the case. And so he won by a passive yes, by, you know, over 50% of the electorates who didn't vote. I always believe if you don't vote, 
is because you're happy with who's in office. That's my belief. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, like that. Now, what's scary, Matthew, is that municipal elections have even traditionally a lower participation rate. And I don't know why that is, because to be honest with you, from where I sit, I'm much closer politically, like in touch with my community and all that, with my counselor, Paul Ainsley, who I happen to know and all that for various reasons, than I would be with my MPP, provincial or federal. You know what I mean? Or with John Tory. Like if I have an issue, let's say, on the road and there's a pothole, I'm going to call, you know, my counselor usually or tweet him or whatever we do these days or whatever. I'm not doing that with John Tory or, or so forth. And yet people dismiss that opportunity to have that relationship with the person who's serving their community. And I don't know why that is, uh, to be honest with you, like that. So the solution, uh, I have no clue what the solution is. All I can offer is two things. Number one, obviously, I think people need to be educated what a counselor does. Um, so the importance of counselors, how much they influence their lives. And again, going back, a counselor like Paul Ainsley or whatever is probably more influence in my community than, you know, Doug Ford does for sure, or even the mayor or certainly Justin Trudeau. So, you know, the importance of the council, what they do and even what they can't do. And then the other part, and I think we'll talk a bit about that hopefully, the two elephants in the room, ranked ballot, which people have said would probably draw more people out to vote. And of course, the talk of term limits. I don't know what your thoughts are on those two. Uh, well, for the listeners, uh, let's talk about uh, each one of them and, and maybe define them because, uh, you know, even though this is a an Ontario, specifically a Toronto issue, I, I do have a large U.S. audience that does right. uh, um, listen to these episodes. So why don't we uh, explain what ranked ballot is and then, um, I'm sorry, what was the other one you said? Term limits. Term limits, yeah. Let's explain those. Uh, uh, if you want, yeah. you can start with rank ballot and I can do term limits. Can we switch that around? Because I I find rank ballots hard to understand, to be honest with you. So my interpretation of rank ballots is you you vote and it's, it's kind of similar to um, when they're picking... Uh, a new leader for uh, one of the political parties, you vote and then there's like, it's like in rounds and then you get eliminated if there's not a certain uh, percentage um, um, achieved. I think that's my understanding. Again, I find it hard to follow like you do, yeah. but I, I think that's how it goes. I'm not right. sure if that means that um, the constituents would have to um, vote and then vote again and then vote again, or that one vote will just uh, just get carried over. I'm not sure how that works. So to your point, there's no universal, as far as I know, universal definition for ranked ballot. So that makes it hard to understand. But on term limits, which I'm a very, very big proponent about, term limits is a person can only serve office for whatever terms. Usually it's two terms, which in a counselor would be eight years, uh, but it could be three terms or whatever. I mean, whatever it is. Um, 
So we have counselors. I'll use Paul Ainsley, uh, who, you know, really just beats, like, when you look at the last election results, no one even comes close by, I think, 14,000 or something ridiculous amount he's ahead because he's been doing a great job. However, on the flip side, if he wins this election, and I know he's running, he's put his papers in, this will be his fifth ter- consecutive term, you know, uh, in serving Toronto. I don't believe counselors should be career politicians. So let me, let me, sorry, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna butt in. What, what yeah. do you think the, uh, the term limit should be set at? Everyone says two, I say three. Uh, 12 years of being in office as a counselor or a mayor, too, this would apply to the mayor, I think is more than enough time to identify the issues, to work on a plan, put your team together, and if anything, to be well ahead into addressing those issues before you leave. I mean, 12 years is quite a long time uh, to do that. So that's what I would go for, three terms. Most people throw around two. I don't know if two is enough, but yeah, three is more than enough. Uh, I would think. I would uh, tend to agree, I guess, with the majority that two is enough. I mean, after all, I mean, the, the President of the United States only gets two terms, yeah. right? So That's true. Good point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and in some cases, thank God, you know. Uh, but... So, yeah. in terms of like, uh, I, I want to get specifics, uh, specific for uh, a little bit. Yeah. I want to talk about budget. Uh, there are some things you may know them, but I, I just want to bring them to light. Um, first of all, I, I just read an article the other day that while the city is bleeding money, the TTC uh, CEO got a twenty-one percent raise. Correct. Yeah, I read the same thing. Exactly. Uh, that exactly. that angers me. We have homeless people yeah. on the street. And the city, again, I will say it again, is bleeding money. We need we need funding in all these different places, and yet the TTC CEO gets a 21% raise. You know what's going to happen next? They're going to raise the fares of the TTC. Of Someone's got to pay for it, right? For sure, for sure. Um, so here's the million-dollar question, right? What is What can a counselor, yeah, they can you know, put a proposal against it, they can voice their opinions against it, but they're one of 25, including the mayor, so, uh, and all that, right? So there are 26 people, the mayor included, they're one of 26, you know, and that's where the problem aligns, right? Will he be able, or she, to get the utter majority to vote down this particular, uh, well, first of all, it shouldn't have been introduced, uh, but at least to vote down the raise. So what power does a counselor? So the, but what I'm saying, Matthew, if you get a person running for a counselor in your area and they're saying, you know, I'm going to make sure that the budget is under control and all that stuff, my question is, well, you really don't have that much control over the budget as you think. The mayor could say that, but you know what I'm saying, Matthew? There's, I, under, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And then the other um, issue, I, I, I use this with all my uh, interviews so far, 
so we give money, whether it's a grant, loan, whatever word you want to use, we give money to organizations to hold events. Now, the events that are held are absolutely critical to Toronto, uh, you know, for bringing uh, tourism and, 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 get it, and making it inclusive and all that kind of stuff. The events are very, very critical. And you know what? To the bottom line of the city of Toronto, they are very important. However... However, this is the crux. These organizations, they get millions of dollars in corporate funding, in private funding, in sponsorship funding from everywhere, not to mention the province and I think federally a few of them get money. And I'm talking about organizations like Pride, organizations like the... Uh, the I can't say taste of the Danforth anymore because I think they went belly up. So that's a yeah, bad example. Not doing it this year. I know that. You're right. <laughs> uh, but but even Taste of Little Italy and the Car uh, the the Scotiabank Caribbean Carnival and I'm sure I'm missing others. I think even CNE uh, and the Santa Claus Parade. All of those they, they they take maybe not all of them are in the millions. Fine, but they take in significant corporate private and uh, uh sponsorship money and right. the city of toronto whether they give them fifty thousand a hundred thousand or whatever the the amount is it's my point is is that it's not necessary with right. the city that in the, in the state that it is in coming out of the pandemic it's it's not necessary and i was speaking to uh, one of the counselors i interviewed and he said that if he's elected, there there is room to have those difficult conversations of what what should be and what could be. Right, exactly. Um, so here, let me ask you the million dollar question: Do you believe that the arts should be self supporting? As long as they can attract the private funding, yeah, of course, yeah, absolutely, yes. Yeah. If they need help. Obviously, the city is there, but I don't think it should be automatic, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where I have the thing, right? Because you're giving, let's call it what it is, welfare to some people because they need it. But the other ones who are doing it right and obviously are successful at getting sponsorships and all that because they resonate uh, with corporations, they're going to sort of get, I wouldn't say punished, but they're not getting you know, the the money that Joe Blow over here who has, you know, he's got a festival on, I don't know, uh, whatever, some, I don't know, whatever thing, and really it's, it's not drawing in the sponsorship. Um, anyway, it's always been on my mind, should the arts, you know, especially be self-sufficient, and it takes it away from the taxpayer and put the money in like healthcare, for example, or homeless or whatever, but much more pressing issues uh, like that. But that's just my thoughts on that. Yeah, and then the last issue for the budgeting is, I, I maybe you can clear this up for me. Uh, you seem to be well-versed in this stuff. I don't understand how um, the hotels or the uh, shelter facilities, if they're not run by the city, they're run by private um, corporations, how they can jack up the, f the, the, um, the cost that the city has to pay. Because the city's paying it, they can charge more. And, and I don't understand 
how that's legal, how that can keep happening, and how the city of Toronto tolerates that. And I'm just wondering your thoughts on that. So, here's the thing, right? You wonder, I do anyway, what the real story in the background is, right? Is what is the city of Toronto getting out of it? And certainly what are the politicians that are running the city getting out of it? Um, I'm hoping it's they see it as strictly just, you know, revolving the revenue around uh, like that. I'm not implying there's kickbacks and all that, for sure. But then on the other side, it doesn't make sense if you're just revolving the money around. So, you know, Toronto gives you the money and you jack up the price, you give it back to Toronto in taxes or, or whatever uh, like that. So I don't know why that is, really. Again, should hotels and all that be self-sufficient? I think so, right? It's, it's I'm a big thing about the free market, if right. anything like that. But again, going back to what I said earlier, Matthew, what can a counselor, unless he gets the other ones on board, yeah, you can have the discussions, but what can they do about it, right? Um, if you look at it from a very holistic viewpoint, Okay, like really holistic, and I'm old enough to admit this. Politics is not, you would think, has not changed. If anything, it's gotten worse over the years, right? Political self-interest, fighting for self-interest and all that. And you hear so many people outraged against it and so many people proposing better ideas and all that. But for some reason, the politics keeps just revolving the same way as it always has. Thus, term limits would maybe address some of that issue. But you know what I'm saying? It's just the same stuff again and again, you know, over and over. I don't know, you know, why? You know, it's like, why do we keep going to wars and all that? We know it's bad, but it's there's somebody benefiting from that. There's someone benefiting from what you just said. Or some people are, and it's, yeah, uh, they people go to the trough. Absolutely, and it's the same way I figure, uh, I don't figure, it's the same way that I, I think it, it happens in pretty much every file that the City of Toronto is responsible for, you know, in terms of transit, um, you said you've, you've lived in, in Scarborough all these years, like, you guys need more transit and i feel like the the topic the, the the discussion on subways has been going on since david miller was the mayor exactly they keep talking about it and talking about it and talking about it and they keep i don't understand I've been to a couple council meetings. I, like I work a lot, so I, I don't have the time to go to every meeting. I don't think. I don't think unless you're a reporter. I don't think that uh, you you can make the time. But it right. seems like they they have the power to keep bringing up this conversation and keep having the same conversation over and over again for the last 10 years. David Miller wanted LRTs. Rob Ford wanted subways. John Tory wanted Smart Track and. All this time, there could have been shovels in the ground, and right. now only, I, I don't know, the last three years or however long it's been, I don't know, I'm just saying three years off the top of my head, that shovels have been in the ground, and if and if they hadn't wasted all this time, we could be farther along in transit projects exactly. all over the city. Yep, 100%, exactly. It, 
again, it boggles my mind, but for some reason, they don't want to pull the trigger uh, like that. So they keep having the conversation. So what are they benefiting is the question from having continuously uh, these conversations. It reminds me, not to digress, but this is kind of thing. It reminds me, my father worked in the pharmaceutical industry. And um, so he was in R&D, research and development. Mm -hmm. And basically the saying goes, it's kind of funny, but it's true. There's no money in the cure. There's money, you know, in the, you know, getting you addicted to the pills, to the medicine. They're not looking for cures. They're looking just to keep you addicted to, or, you know, yeah, take this pill, you'll be fine. It'll lower your cholesterol, uh, but you got to take it for the rest of your life or whatever like that. And it's the same thing here. It's like, no one wants to do the cure, pull the trigger and do the cure. They just want to keep talking about it and doing committees and blah, blah, blah. It's like busy work. I don't know. Maybe I, I have no clue like that. It's frustrating for sure. For do you, sure. Do you, do the question becomes, Matthew, like I said, it's always been like that, you know, from David Miller and way before him for other stuff. And why hasn't pol politics changed when generations have changed, when generations are now further values are so much more progressive in the past, let's say, two generations at least, if not three. And so we have this conservative councils or conservative senate or conservative mps or whatever i i don't get what what stops that overflow from you know mainstream society which is now becoming more and more progressive especially in canada from flowing into council into our politics absolutely i i i, I see yeah. i see where you're coming from. Yeah, something's stopping it. Something or someone or I don't know what, you know, like that for sure. And uh, I just got to ask because you live in Scarborough. I mean, do you think Scarborough needs the subway or is there is there another solution? LRT, Smart Track. So I live uh, right at the corner of Eglinton and Kingston Road. If you know the area, there's condos, whatever. So the LR, uh, the Crosstown, Eglinton Crosstown, uh, it's not here at our doorstep yet, but it will eventually. But I see it being built up the street and all that. Uh, subways are great, but of course it's time consuming and money, uh, so forth like that. So I'd like to see more LRTs or more Crosstown. Is there a need for more transit? 100%. Oh my God, the amount of people at bus stops and so forth is insane like that. Um, another thing, not to digress, I think routing is net, you know, the problem here is um, routing, for example, of bus routes and all that, they're never reevaluated. They seem to stay the same way. And I've moved to, I'm from Montreal originally, whatever, but so I've moved to Toronto back in 1990s and the routes stay the same, and it doesn't move around. So I'll give you a great example. Like I said, we're at uh, Kingston Road, Eglinton. Markham Road is right at the corner, right here, uh, like not even 300 meters, whatever. And there's a bus stop there. My wife works at Morningside and Shepherd, okay? And you know how many bus changes she would take just to go that little distance because the routing? Three. It, 
yeah, something like that. I think it's three. And it's developed a lot where she's worked, a hell of a lot over the years. Used to be fields. But the roots still stay the same. So I think there's two parts to this, Matthew. Not to, I, I made a long-winded answer there. But there's two parts to this. Yes, there needs to be more subways. I like subways because with our weather, they can work year-round, you know? This thing, the crosstown, I don't know what will happen when there's major snowstorms or whatever, but I, I digress. So just two things. We need more of that, and we need to keep reevaluating our bus routes so they're more efficient. we got to keep the efficiency going as much as possible. Because I'm sure you also see a lot of times buses running empty. Yes. You know, exactly. So this bus is running empty, and two streets over or boulevard or whatever, and people are packed up like sardines in that bus. You know, I've seen it so many times. And for, like, uh, and for me in the West End, uh, like I said, I, I lived in the former Ward 6 for 13 years. Honestly, I'd like to see them extend the subway to Sherway Gardens from Kipling. And then, um, you know, because I lived on the Lake Shore, I got to tell you, between construction and, and the winters, Streetcars don't run half the time anyway, so get rid of it and build and and build sub. I I know it's I know it's I know it's um, a difficult project and it would be a long project, but in the end, I, I think subways should be built right to Union Station. So you bring the subway, you put a stop in at Sherway Gardens, you put a stop in at Long Branch Loop, and then you build east from there. And I I honestly believe that a subway would work better. And because, like you, I, I don't know how the new LRTs are going to run during the winter. They're building yeah. one, right? Because I'm in Ward One now, but I, so they they're building the Finch one, and I mean it's going to look great, obviously, when it's done. Yeah. But how is it going to run in the winter time? Exactly, especially during a snowstorm or whatever. I can't picture it. Plus the other elements too, right? It sucks if you're in the middle of a downpour and you're outside because you're waiting for the LRT to come, right? As opposed to nice and dry in the subway. Right? And, and There's a lot of... I think it's going to have a higher maintenance cost, personally, uh, the LRT um, or the Crosstown, than I think they have anticipated. That's my, my thing. I don't know. Uh, so we'll see what and happens. Of course, and, of course, they'll raise the fare and pass that cost yeah. along to the, to the customer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like that. So... I don't know. The only thing going in their favor right now, obviously, is the price of gas. So I presume more and more people are taking public transit uh, when possible, like that. So, and uh, I wanted to talk about uh, a little bit about uh, crime and the police. Um, I, I find that uh, if you if you want to find a group of people that are maybe more political than the people down at City Hall, you just you just go to the the police board and and the police themselves. There is such a list of things that they quote cannot do because they're worried about racism, and I understand that. Like my my youngest son is of of uh, he's mixed. So I completely understand that. I, 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 you know, he's only he's only young now. I, when he gets to be older, I'm gonna probably understand it more because there are conversations that I'm going to have to have with him 
because he's he's mixed because you know that's unfortunately this is the world that we live in and i have to prepare him for that but so i had a a um i i had a a candidate on here that if he said if it's done properly if it's checked if it's um strictly um run that carding might be able to work the problem is is that the the cops that are doing it they don't do it properly they 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 target people and that is the part that that cannot continue and i understand that part of it i'm just we the crime especially like i said i i lived on lakeshore for 13 years the reason the reason we left lakeshore is because it got way too violent over the last four or five years that we lived there way too violent way too quickly we lived in um a a co-op uh and then diagonally across from us there was two co-op apartment buildings and it got to the point where there were people dealing drugs at the basketball court in front of those buildings then it led to their dealing drugs in the building then it led to people drive by shooting right into the unit that's dealing the drugs and 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 not to mention every time there's a holiday like for example we have canada day coming up and you get to light fireworks all the i I hate to call them gangsters but i don't know what else i don't know what else to call them they all buy a lot of fireworks and they play this war game style game where they're shooting the fireworks at each other they're shooting them at cars at buses at at police cars they're even brazen enough to do it at police cars and it's just out of control and i'm just wondering okay you don't want to bring back carding i'm cool with that because believe me i get like i said in a few years i'm gonna have my issues with with stuff like that so what can we do to 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 put this this kind of violence to uh, to bed because when we first moved down to the lakeshore and I'm using lakeshore because I only lived in Scarborough for one year of my life I lived at Kingston and Galloway not a not a nice neighborhood okay. but <laughs> yeah, I know it. Yep. Um, when we first moved down to lakeshore we're like okay there's drug dealing and there's hookers and that's pretty much it okay i can live with that but then it became drug dealing hookers and then violence and then shootings and then i you know one of our neighbors got shot walking to the store in broad daylight (laughs) that happened uh less than a year before we moved off of lakeshore right yeah for sure for sure. Sorry, I, I don't mean to... I, I, I went no, on there for a few minutes. Because, um, <laughs> as you know, I live in Scarborough, so crime is a huge, huge topic around here, um, like that. So there's a few parts to this, right? First of all, what can the city really, really do when the issue is not a city issue, the issue is a Canada issue, technically? So let's look at Toronto. So Toronto's right on the border of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, so I live on the 12th floor uh, of this condo. Mm-hmm. I looked across the lake. I see the U.S., by the way. No word of a lie. Uh, Odinson or whatever and Rochester. I see the lights and all that. I'm that jealous of your view because I don't get to see that. 
So that's how close we are to the U.S. So Buffalo and all that. We live, we share a border with the highest crime rate, mass shooting, gun-toting country in the world. It's going to overflow to here. I am surprised, and I'm putting it in perspective, it hasn't overflowed much more than it has. I think we do, let's be honest, we're probably doing a better job at controlling crime than we realize. When you put it in perspective, look what happened in Buffalo, what, four weeks ago, whatever, the mass shooting, you know, and many more mass shootings close to the border and all that. So I think, yes, there is crime, but it's not Detroit-level crime, not that we want to get to that level, or Chicago-level crime, or Los Angeles-level crime. Uh, so we got to put a little perspective on it because we live next door to the U.S. The second part is, and I have to agree with this, you can put all the laws in the world, criminals will be criminals. They'll go around the law, right? It, you know, it is what it is. So the question becomes, what is our judicial system doing? Are we not punishing them hard enough? Is there no deterrent enough for it? Um, is it social issues? But we have great social safety nets, better than the Americans. So maybe that's why we have less you know these mass shootings and whatever what the answer is i have no idea i'm just saying i'm glad we're not down south having this conversation you know like right. that yeah so it's a perspective sort of uh thing to put it into like that of course there's also the issue too of and i think we're going to see more and more of that of you know youth being disenfranchised right from society and all that, uh, as cost of living goes up, and you know, millennials uh, are blaming you know the boomers, and the boomers are blaming the issue, and everyone's finger pointing and all that. Um, so you know, people want to participate in the first world. I mean, less and less readily available, uh, like that. So I don't know if that's a, an issue. Also, it seems to be, you know. Yeah, no, I completely uh, agree with you. Sorry, the audio kind of tailed off there. Uh, That's okay. No, and and, you know, it's not just the issue of what can we do. You're, You're absolutely right. We need, first of all, we need... I would say there are areas where we need stronger laws, which is a federal issue. But then we need those laws enforced because that's 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 the second part of the problem. They're not being enforced. Right. Exactly. So, you know, when you look at it, right, it's almost, you know, our society, it's like I'm watching, you know, at my age, especially like Rome burning and falling. So we're decriminalizing a lot of things. We decriminalized marijuana and all that, which I was all for because it was so openly done before. It's a matter of time where we're decriminalizing more and more. The police do look the other way on a lot of things, certainly, because, you know, they're scared because of political correctness or whatever, accusations, things like that. So I don't know if we're heading into more and more lawlessness or more and more we're just accepting certain things and saying you know what there's nothing we can do about it let's just make it legal or whatever or you know 
an unwritten rule sort of kind of thing and just wash it away uh, like that. Because I would certainly not want to be in law enforcement today. Certainly not. Uh, because uh, you can get into trouble so easily in five seconds. And that all started, by the way, Matthew, not with the political correctness. That started with the iPhone and being able to be recorded. Absolutely. Rodney, uh, King, and that was recorded before the iPhone was even invented like that. And, you know, I'm not saying what the police did was right, but now, you know, if you're a cop out there, you got to be really, really, really careful because not only the person you're approaching can, you know, video you, but everybody around can, and they I will. Absolutely. In terms yeah. of the city of Toronto, look what happened yeah. with uh, James James Fursillo. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so, you know, they're in a tough spot. And to go back to your thing about carding, so here's the million-dollar question, right? If we know that all, let's say, blue-haired people, right, commit, I don't know, let's say, breaking entries, then obviously when you see a blue-haired person, you get, and it goes back to my column, The Art of Finding Work, I talked a lot about bias, mm -hmm. you're going to have a bias opinion. Well, that person has blue hair, chances are they do B&Es. I, I I'm oversimplifying it, right? No, I understand what you're saying. You know, I mean, you know, white-collar crimes are committed by, let's be honest, by white people, right? Yeah. And so forth, and all that. You know, there is a Russian mafia. There's an Italian mafia. You know, this and that. It's there. And we're tying the police, because your point is so spot on, because they're not doing it right. You know, that's the whole problem. It's not the issue of carding. It's how it's being done. And how now do you educate people, first the police, to do it right, and how do you educate people now, because it's gone so far down the road, that carding can be done right, and it's not a racial issue or a gender issue, whatever issue you want to make it. It's just a tool for the police to keep crime as low as it has been. So maybe my whole point earlier, Matthew, about here we are on the border of the U.S., like super close, um, and, you know, Buffalo and all that, and maybe the reason we haven't had the crime level, and Toronto's the third largest or fourth largest populated city in North America, and we have nowhere near the crime rate of Detroit, which has, what, a fifth of the population, if that? Mm -hmm. Maybe the reason is, is because of our, you know, the way the police have handled it. Even though it's not politically correct, it does get the results. I don't know if you can air this now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know yes. what I just said. Sorry about that. But yeah, that's my thinking, right? Like, how I look at the results, right? You know, at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, the, the results speak for themselves, you know? Like I said, I put it in perspective. So, I don't know. Maybe they got it right, and they just need to tweak it better. Like that. And now, of course, everyone's screaming, defund the police. You know? Jeez, there you go. I do think that there are instances, of course there's going to be instances in every um, thing that we talk about, but there are instances where 
you know, if you're dealing with someone who's having, who, who's in crisis or who's having a, a manic episode, yes, okay, maybe, maybe the police uh, shouldn't, they should still be on scene because they're going to protect the scene. But yeah, there should be somebody else there. But we still need the police. That they're good people. I've always yeah. believed. Like, like a funny quick story. Um, after I realized I couldn't play baseball because um, I, I had an injury, I wanted to be a police officer. Okay. But you know, I had asthma, so it. I, I, I didn't. I guess. I allowed the asthma to be a roadblock, I, I guess, um, and, and that's why I never pursued it. But I've always thought that police were good people, but maybe that was my upbringing. I don't know. I did grow up in metro housing. I grew up poor, so I, I grew up with the setting, I guess, because a lot of kids, doesn't matter what color they were, but a lot of kids that I grew up with were predisposed to hate the police, but I never did. Right. Of course, exactly, because your experience, like mine, wasn't overtly negative, right? You know, like that. Also, I grew up in a family where you sort of respected the law, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, uh, yes, like it was exactly. Respect also, that's a policeman, you know. Uh, if you get into trouble, you can approach this person and they'll help you and all that kind of stuff, uh, like that. But, you know... A couple of years ago, what, four years ago, whatever it was. I don't know if you remember the guy who drove down uh, Young Street with the van? Yes, I remember that. Okay. So I was working. It happened literally right in front of me. So I was working at Mel Aspen Square. My office looked right over Mel Aspen, seventh floor. There's a hot dog stand there. I literally, that day, grabbed a hot dog and I went upstairs, whatever, into my office. And I'm looking out and I literally saw the van and three people whatever but the thing about that is as you may remember he went down the street and he finally whatever got stopped at shepherd and young around there and the police officer who was what's interested in note though matthew he was an older police officer that had just joined the force he was 38 or something and so he was mature was able to talk this guy down and arrest him without incident you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. the way it should be all the time. Absolutely. You know, where we had the other one, I forget the whole thing, but where the person was having a psychotic episode on the... Um, that was uh, that was James Fursillo. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. you named it right. Yeah. And the cop shot him. And it was just him and the cop, in, if I remember right, inside the uh, streetcar. Yes. Right? There was no passengers. The passengers are off. Everything... Why would you shoot the guy? And the guy had no gun or anything. No, either. he he had he had a he had a knife though, and knife. I mean he he did. Uh, I'm gonna air this anyway, so no, no, uh, ahead, he ahead. he had his penis in his hand. I don't know if they were worried that he was gonna try to kill himself, but it doesn't make sense. I don't want no. you to kill yourself, but I'm gonna shoot you. Yeah, I'm gonna shoot you. All the cop had to do was walk out, close the door. Have the cops just watch the door till you get the proper help, a psychiatrist, whatever that looks like. There was no reason to shoot the guy. He was not endangering anyone in the public. And so you see the total opposite where from a guy 
who I'm sure the, pe- the people would have been fine if they shot the guy who ran 10 people over on Young Street. And if the cop did shoot that person, I'm sure the public would be okay with it. You know? But he didn't do that. He did the right thing, that guy, that cop. So, uh, again, back to your thing, maybe cops need to do better hiring or better vetting. Well, j- just before we go back, I just want to let you know, like, uh, for the James Fursillo, we actually did an episode on James Fursillo. Okay. Uh, it's on the it's on the podcast, uh, if you look it up on Spotify or, or anywhere, except Apple. I can't seem to get it on Apple. But anyway, my, my co-host actually goes off on the police because after the guy got shot all those times, and technically, I guess they, call, they said he was legally dead, even though he wasn't yeah. dead dead. Uh, then they tased him, yeah, and then yeah, that's right. And then yeah. my co-host went off like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you think, right? Now we're going off topic, but you would think that it seems like you have to be sort of semi-psychotic to be a cop. <laughs> I don't know <clears throat> what kind of person wants to be a police officer, especially in this day and age. Is it a power trip thing? Is it this and that? Are you know? Are too few of them doing it for the right reason to serve the community? Who knows? That's a good question, actually, because um, yeah. I have a friend. Exactly. I have a friend who worked for Brinks uh, for a period of time, and he he told me about the interview process, and he said one of the right. questions that they ask you is, "Can you kill somebody and walk away yeah. from it?" A Brinks. This is part of a Brinks interview. Exactly. Yeah. I I wonder if that's part of. Uh, it's got to be oh, part of the police interview. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is, and then some, like that. But you have to be at a certain level, and it goes back to what I'm saying. What we're talking about earlier about counselors. You know, why do people run to become a counselor? And you know, you have so many that come out of the woodworks. We'll have the same thing here. You know, five or six people coming out of the woodworks, I want to be your next counselor. And my question is always, well, where have you been for the past four or five years? You know, you have no visibility in the community. Like, why do you want to be a counselor? Is it the money? Is it the power you think it is? Is it the prestige or whatever? You know, I run a column, and that goes in the bluff monitor, one of them. So it has my picture and all that, and it runs throughout Ward 25 24 and 20 right here along the lake i have more visibility in the in the community i get approached all the time hey i read your article whatever like that and these people you never hear them you know yeah um, yeah so i think uh as a fun way to kind of wrap it up i i i want to go through who's running and predict who you think is going to win and maybe if if we have a difference of opinion, explain why you think this person will win or why you don't think they'll win. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to start with uh, obviously with the mayor, the the mayor's chair, and I will say a, a couple things, and then I'll 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 throw it to you. Yeah. I I don't hate John Tory. I don't mm-hmm. I, I I really don't because I don't know him and I don't. I don't wait. If I hate someone, it's going to be for a reason. Um, I don't approve of the job he's doing. I think that 
where there's a video camera, you'll find John Tory, and if there's no video camera, you won't find yeah. him. Um, I think that uh, he tried it. I mean, he was a radio DJ and a, a bunch of other jobs before yeah. becoming mayor, and he tried it, and it's been eight years, and, and it it's it's no better than when he came. The only difference is is that there hasn't been that big scandal like there was with Rob Ford. Right. Um, yeah. I will say that even though I don't want him to win, I think that he will unless one of two things happens. One, um... A, like you were saying, a, a more visible um, candidate enters the field, or it's it's like with the provincial election, like you were saying earlier, 40% uh, um, turnout. The problem is, and exists in federal politics, it exists in provincial, municipal, and not just in Canada, it exists all over the world. If, for example, like... I know you said you're not a big Doug Ford fan. I am, but that's okay. We can still be friends. Um, so, with Doug Ford specifically, you know, many people might have been like, well, Doug Ford's going to win, and I, my vote's only one vote, and it doesn't matter, so whatever. And and that's part of the problem. So, in, in terms of the municipal election, they'll look at it and they'll say, well, there's nobody else really running that's visible that can beat John Tory, so John Tory's going to win. My vote doesn't mean anything, so I'm not going to bother voting this year. Right, exactly. And if that happens, John Tory will win. Yeah. Your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. I don't think he's even, as far as I know right now, he has a formidable opponent. You know, Faith Goldie has kept off the radar. Like, that's, you know, I, I, what's the, about that? I thought she'd be all over him. I disagree with you on one one. I did an interview with uh, one of the other candidates. His name's Blake Acton, and he's a retired former Toronto police officer of thirty years. He's right. got some really great ideas. Um, he wants to change the culture down at City Hall. Uh, he he literally told me he's like, I want to rip all the answering machines out of City Hall and force people to answer the phones. Right. Um, yeah. but, but, but it goes back to what I said earlier, Matthew. Everyone says the same shit over and over again, but nothing changes. And why is that? Yeah, that's nice. You got all these, I'm going to change the culture. Well, I heard that before from so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Um, but, you know, it's funny you said you don't hate John Tory. I don't think many people do because you said I don't know him. And there's the whole point. I, I agree with you. I can't relate to John Tory. He's, you know, Rob Ford, he was relatable, right? If anything, he was the funny uncle, a little over the top. <laughs> but, you know, he was relatable to the common person. This yeah. guy is Yorkville, you know, hobnobbing and whatever. He's probably a canoe tonight or somewhere, you know, some restaurant, you know, that most people can't afford, let alone a drink, to go and have dinner in. You know, he hobnobs with a whole different class of people. Um and I think that's where the problem lies right there of the relatability. But then he doesn't have a formidable opponent, as far as I know, even yet. Um, so I don't know, maybe someone will come out of the woodwork sooner than later, but I don't think so. So I think he'll win, yeah. That's well sure put. Okay, uh, Ward 1. Um, I don't know if you have the... the uh, 
it pulled up in front of you the list of candidates. No, I don't. Okay, so I'm just going to read it for uh, for the listeners. So running in Ward 1 is uh, Vincent Crisanti, Avtar Minhas, uh, Dave Narang, and Christopher Noor. Um, I'm very familiar with uh, uh, Vincent Crisanti, uh, him being a former counselor. I did an interview with uh, Dave Narang, um, but... I mean, it's it's the same thing as the mayor's chair. I think that Vincent Crisanti will probably win based on his name recognition. However, it goes back to what we were saying before, the idea of a career politician. We need new blood. We need new ideas. And um, but, but, you know, unless people get out and vote, Vincent Crisanti is probably going to win Ward 1. Um, so I got the list up here now. Sorry about that. I should have been better prepared it's, on that. It's all good. If I'm seeing that right, then it's only Stephen Holiday for Ward 2 so far. Uh, do you have it on Ward 1? No, Ward 2. Okay. I'm looking at it right now. I'm on the uh, Toronto.ca. Uh, yeah, Toronto.ca slash city, um, city government. Slash, slash election, election slash, slash candidate list. Yeah, so there's... So you have Ward 1. Oh, there's a tab where you can pick all wards. Right, so I'm looking at Ward 2. Oh, okay. Did yeah, you... So did you Ward 2 has only Stephen Holiday. But did you have a pick for Ward 1? Yeah. So I see what you're seeing, Vincent Christian. Oh, yeah, I gotta pick somebody. Oh, sorry Yeah, you gotta that, pick... Matthew. It's all good, it's all good. Somebody. Yeah, oh my god, I forgot to pick somebody on to the thing um i mean right now i would have to give it because i like the social media aspect dev uh narang i don't know him well or anything but he's out there i did an interview i did an interview with him uh it's on the podcast if you want to know more about him okay definitely would definitely would so he has a good social media presence, resonates with, you know, the younger crowd, uh, so forth like that. Uh, I think he has a very good chance of winning. Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, for Ward 2, there's only Stephen Holiday. So yeah. obviously, as of right now, uh, he'd be the, the winner. But you know what? Holiday is, a, in, in Etobicoke Center, Holiday is like the Ford name yeah. in, in, Ward, uh, in Ward 1. You know, um, it's he's he's not living off of his dad, Doug Holiday, but he's adding to the Holiday legacy. That's right. the way I see it. Yeah. In Ward One, is it not? Um, isn't it a Ford that's the counselor now? Uh he just resigned, Michael Ford, because he got yeah. promoted to. Uh, oh, he didn't get promoted. He got elected to provincial politics and okay. and that's okay. one of the things that we covered uh when i spoke to uh, uh dave narang uh i said if you get um i i asked him i why well, I, I said and i asked i said if you get elected you'll be the first person not named ford to hold this riding in 20 something years right and he said that he wants to be uh accessible to uh the constituents the same in the same ilk as rob ford go to the places check out the repairs and answer the phone that's a big one yeah 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 Yeah, he had his faults uh certainly rob ford but he certainly loved the people 
certainly love the people. Absolutely. Uh, he, he, he practiced politics the way it should be, with servitude. That's what it was. That's what it's all about. Anyway, uh, so we know War Two is going to. Well, we don't know, but right now Stephen Holiday has it wrapped up. Absolutely. Like and I, I find it interesting when I look at this. So he put in his nomination shortly after it was open, and not to go further ahead, we want to get through this list real quick. But Paul Ainsley did it the same thing, and sometimes I wonder if they don't do that to scare off any other candidates. Because who's going to go up against Stephen Holiday? Think about that, right? That's and true. So far, nobody has. That's true. But I also look for presence, and if you notice, uh, not not to go backwards, but the listing under John Tory, you see his name and the the nomination date. There's no email, no phone number. You can't get a hold of him, and not to put Stephen Holiday in the same um, right. in the same category. But there's no email. There's no phone number. How can I contact you? How can I know what you're going to fight for in the next election if you don't uh, supply me with some information? Exactly. So he's just. Parking it there on brand name right now. He's a, he's a known name. And, of course, like Doug Ford got reelected, he's probably going to get in on passive voting. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, yeah, whatever. Anyway, let's continue, please. So, Ward 3 is interesting. It's the former Ward 6 or whatever you want to call yeah. it. And um, here's the big thing. Mark Grimes, uh, we're not friends, but I know him. And uh, he generally, um, he doesn't register until, like, almost the deadline. Um, I don't want to, he, he's, he's had some medical issues recently. So, um, if he enters, he will win because of his name recognition. However, um, looking at it now, and I know, like I was saying before, we need new blood, new ideas. I'm looking at, uh, it, it's kind of a dead heat because I did an interview with uh, uh, Zeno Ari. He likes to go by Dino. He's actually the owner of Dino's Wood-Burning Pizza. Yeah, of course. And, uh, I'm a pizza connoisseur. Anyway, <laughs> and then there's Amber Morley. I know she ran in the last election. I'm not right. sure how she placed, uh, but she was confident enough, obviously, to run in this election. And um, if, if Mark Grimes does not enter, I mean, this is a wide-open field, a wide-open ward. And honestly, this ward is going to be a lot of work no matter who wins. Because, like I said, the, the crime is out of control in this ward. Exactly. So what you just described is what Ron Mosner used to do. He was actually, it was in the news, he literally would be the last, last guy, the last minute. Like, he'd literally walk in five minutes before deadline, and he would put in his name. So he's doing it the opposite way, where I've seen, like, Paul Ainsley uh, or Stephen Holiday, they put their name in right away, hoping it scares off anybody, because I'm not going up against these guys, right? What's my odds of winning against Paul Ainsley? Right. So I don't know if he's doing the same thing backwards like that, but again, going back to this, Amber has... The presence. She's accessible in so many ways, right? Email address, website, Twitter, Facebook. If I wanted to talk to Amber or ask her a question, I know I can, right? Absolutely. So, 
Yeah, and I think you're you're hitting the nail on the head with all these people or any politician. It's how accessible is that person to me or going to be? That's the the key to it, right? Yes. Let's continue. So for Ward 4, obviously Gord Perks is a name identity, and it's going to be hard to beat. However... I I think that uh, she pronounces it Siri like uh, like on Apple because uh, I, I did an interview with her and I think that Siri Agrell, if there is somebody that can beat Gord Perks, it's her. She she has great ideas. She's very knowledgeable. She worked uh, for the city in some form or fashion. I can't remember. Cause it's in the interview, um, and. Uh, I honestly believe that she she could knock off Gord Perks. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm oh. still here. Okay. I'm, you know what's flipping in my head? If I had to play the odds, I'm going to have to again go with Perks because the incumbents always win, right? That's true. <laughs> you know, I, I took a moment there. I'm on her website. It's impressive. I got to give her her website's impressive, uh, like that. And well, she even has swag around. Okay, <laughs> but again, it's the incumbents. You know, the odds are in the incumbents' favor. Right? But but again, if you look at Gord Perks, no email, no phone number. Yeah, no... exactly. He's writing just on it, like Stephen Holland. They're just writing on their you know brand or whatever, like that. Uh, or the fear of people, you know, the devil, you know, is better than the devil you don't, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, Absolutely. And I would say if you look at Ward 5, Matthew, it's the same story, right? But like, I will say that yeah. all, the, yeah. all the stories that I've heard about Francis Nunziata, I... Maybe I'm speaking to the wrong people, but I've never heard anything negative about her. She's no. she's a wonderful uh, lady. Yeah, exactly. But again, no email, no phone, nothing. And then Chiara and Gabriel, look at that, fully filled out. You yep. know, phone numbers, email address. You know, I always respect that when they put a phone number there. you got to give them respect for that because God knows what kind of calls they get. It's not always, you know... It's going to be pretty tough, right? Exactly. Uh, like that. And, you know, full social media presence, you know, and so forth. Exactly. But Francis is going to do the least amount of work. And this is what pisses me off, too, right? Technically, when you're in office, you can be technically you're campaigning for your job throughout the time you're in office. But when the campaign season comes, and I don't know if this would be something you would agree with, I think. Anyone sitting in office running again, so like Francis, they should not be paid their salary. Because the other people running against them, you know, they're doing it on their own dime. Think about that for a minute. And a counselor gets, correct me if I'm wrong, 114 a year? 114K a year? I think something like that, yeah. Expenses and all. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So she's got a financial advantage, number one, on top of her other... You know, um, you know the brand advantage and all that stuff. Uh, just my thoughts. You know, exactly. You and give these guys credit; they're putting in a lot more effort than we've seen Perks, Holiday, and her do. Also, though, is it a conflict of interest if she uses her her um, 
email address uh, from the city of Toronto? Is that a conflict of oh, interest? Yeah, that would be a conflict of interest, but, you know, there's Gmail. I heard of Gmail. I think you can make it, <laughs> you know, or Yahoo. I've heard of those things, you know? So, so for anyway, so, so for Ward Six, James Pasternak, same thing. No email, no phone, but he's exactly. got, but he's got the name identity. The name identity, exactly. So Ward Six, and so far, no one wants to go up against him because, yeah, you know. I will like, say that I used to have a friend that lived in that ward, and um, she really liked. Uh, uh, James Pasternak. Um, I've never met him. I don't know him, so I'm not gonna. I, I don't have an opinion, but I do know that he's he's been around. What's it been? At least two terms. Yes. So that's what I'm talking about. We need new blood and new ideas, yeah. and yeah. So everyone we've talked about that has no email added, all these incumbents just now, they've all been there more than two terms. And that's where term limits comes in. You know what I mean? Yes. You're, you're, I agree with you. I think everyone agrees. You need new... Well, everyone but these people, of course. <laughs> you need new blood. You know what? I, I'm all about that. You know, at work, wherever, right? Fresh blood. But the problem is the old blood sticks around. Um, you know, I'm a big proponent about... And I've written about this that we should have mandatory retirement at 65. I think it does such a disservice to our youth when these old people are holding jobs that and are not getting out of the workforce and the young people have to take the crappy job. But I digress. It's the same thing here. They're going to hold on. And you're never going to get counsel to pass a term limits. Why would you? I'm going to put myself out of a job, right? You're not going to do that. That's why the politics keeps rolling the same way. Absolutely. Now, somebody has to have the guts, to, and I don't know who that would be because it needs to be a politician to put in term limits. Someone has to do it, but what politician would? You, you make a great point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a double-edged sword. So for Ward 7, you have Amanda Coombs and Christopher Mamaliti. Um, I don't know either of them. I haven't interviewed them, but... There are two, I, I don't think, Christ, I know that Christopher Mamaliti is, um, what's his name, son, I believe it's his son, uh, but again, both of them, no email, no phone number, no website, the only difference is, is that Christopher Mamaliti is, is name, he'll live off the name recognition. Yeah, exactly, agree with you, especially in that area, yeah, 100%, yeah, so right now, He's the front runner for me, anyway, for sure. I agree. Yeah. And Ward 8, Eglinton are you, Lawrence. Sorry, Matthew, are you writing this down? We should go back when the election happens, see if we're right or not. We should put some money on this. I, I'll write it when I'm editing this. I'll write it down. Because yeah, uh, sure. I, I didn't I didn't write it down before, but I, I will. Uh... Oh, this is pretty cool. Okay. Okay, so for Ward 8, Eglinton Lawrence, you have Mike Cole and Evan uh, Sambasivam. Sorry if I mispronounced your name. Um, I will say that uh, I've, I've spoken to Evan uh, through emails. Um, he was really busy and, and couldn't uh, find time to do an interview, which is it's okay. Um, I haven't had a chance to speak with Mike Cole. I mean, he's not responding, but... 
Again, he's the one with the name recognition, so I would have to go with him. Yeah, um, I'm just on Evan's uh, Twitter just now. Um, yeah, I would have to go with that too. Yeah, like cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. And in Ward Nine, Davenport. I don't know who the incumbent is, but they, I, as far as I know, they haven't. Uh, um, they haven't. Uh, re reapply. They haven't um, started their candidacy. Candidacy, I guess is, yeah. and we have two uh, people I've never heard of before: uh, Shacker Jamal and Grant Gonzalez. Yeah. Uh, uh, at least uh, Shacker's got the email and he's yeah. got the social media presence, so I like right. that. Um, I don't know either one of them. I haven't. Uh, I, I've I've been on uh, Sh- uh, Shacker's uh, website briefly, so uh, due to the fact that uh, Grant has no email, no phone, no website listed, I'd have to give it to uh, uh, Shacker. What about you? Yeah, I would do the same. Yeah, you have to give it to Shacker. If not for anything, at least for his efforts. Absolutely. You know, yeah. like you were saying, it's it's out of their own dime, and a lot of these ones, exactly. a lot of these guys that have their own websites. I mean, that's that's money. Yeah. Oh no, exactly. Definitely. Plus, when they're out there campaigning, door knocking, and all that stuff, it's on their t- their own dime, and not only that, but their own time. Technically, as a counselor, sitting counselor, when you're doing that, you're doing it on my dime. You know what I mean? That is like, that is a great yeah. point. Yeah, we're making a lot of great points here. But it'll be business as usual, twenty fifth of October. <laughs> That's so, cynic in me. Sorry. So for uh, Ward Ten, Spadina, Fort York, I love uh, it because. It, it it seems like to me that the field has the it it has it's wide open potentially. Um, I've done interviews with uh, Rocco. Um, I'm currently scheduling interviews for both Igor and Andre. I haven't been able to reach anybody else, so I'm at a I'm at a crossroads right now. If I had to give it to somebody, I'm I. I would probably pick Rocco to win, just based on the fact that I've actually heard what he has to say, yeah. and and I've read his website, and the others. I, I mean, the websites that are listed, I've 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 read what I could, um, but they're they're not they're not. Um, even though I don't live in their ward, you know, I I'm reaching out to them. They're not getting back to me. That tells me like, yeah. okay, so if you're a counselor and somebody's reaching out to you, are you going to get back to them? It's just a, you know, it's kind of like a, the the I find that the campaign trail and in for municipal politics it's the longest. It's kind of like a like a, not a job interview. It's like um, what's that three? It's like probation. Yeah, it is. And how you handle it, exactly how how you handle it will determine how many people uh, will vote for you. Exactly. Exactly. So, Spadina Fort York, very interested in this one. And the reason is because, if you recall, in the provincial, uh, the federal election, Kevin Vong, the guy who's been alleged sexual, um, and he went to become an independent, the liberals dropped him, 
but the ballots were already out. Right. Yeah, yeah you probably remember that. Yes. Um, so there was a lot of kerfuffle, and he won the election because, you know, he was a liberal, and people voted, especially advanced polling, whatever, and all that. And he went into, and he refuses to give up his seat, even though there was a big. It still is going that that thing. If you watch on Twitter, so what is interesting is, will these people in Spadina Fork York do a better job because they've been basically burned? And I think they have been personally. Will they do a better job betting these candidates? Did they learn a lesson? You know, you don't vote for the party. You're voting for the candidate. Well, you should be, you know? Absolutely. And they with the party. They go, oh, yeah, he's a liberal, Kevin. They obviously didn't bet him. He, had a, he has a history, that guy. And they voted for him. And now they're, you know, upset because then the liberals dropped him and all that. Absolutely. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see. But if I had to choose one... Off the top, again, Andre, phone number is there, which I said earlier, I highly respect that. Full internet pre- uh, social media presence. Uh, no one's using TikTok these days, I don't know. Uh, whatever, but where's the TikToks? But uh, yeah, I think he's he's got the chance there. I mean, it could go to anyone, really, but... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Ward 11, University of Rosedale, no one's entered yet so it'll be interesting to see i um i can't i'm trying really hard to recall who's the incumbent right now um but i i, I don't have so that i'm gonna fr- throw something at you here matthew because you said something earlier and i really like you i think you'd be an amazing counselor you don't have to sit in your ward to be the counselor for that ward yeah, but here's the problem with that I would totally be down for running, and I I intend to run at some point in my life, but I'm not going to change who I am. I'm going to tell people like it is, and if they don't like it, oh well. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, that's because I'm real. I'm I'm a real person. I'm real. I'm not going to put on some fake bravado, excuse my language, but bullshit, just to please everybody. I'm going to tell you like it's real, and if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but... (laughs) but no that's fine like that's what i was saying my column is all about it's the real truth i mean can the university rosedale of all the wards to have a real counselor can they handle it that crap (laughs) probably it's you know i'm just saying hey you have no opposition you get in and there you go and uh, you know it takes one person to start you know the process and you got in there you go but anyway i digress uh, just a thought. Just a thought. Yeah. I'll keep so that. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. I'll keep an eye on it, and why not? You know, all you have to do is apply, and you're in. There you go. So, so for Ward Twelve is a slam dunk so far, you know. Um, and he, Antonio, just last week put his papers in. Yeah, but again, no email, no phone, no no website. I, I personally have never heard of him. I tried to look him up because um, that's that's how, what I do. It, I mean, it's easier if there's an email, phone number, or website. Yeah. But other than that, like I'm looking you up on on uh, on Twitter, and then I'm reaching out to you over Twitter or Instagram, whatever I can find, to see if you're interested in an interview. And right. I couldn't find him. Right. Right. Um, correct 
correct me if I'm wrong. You know this better. I heard somewhere, it was my wife who told me this. She always listens to the news. Four or five of the counselors are not running again? Or said they weren't? Yeah, Joe Cressy's not running. Um, uh, There was another name I can't remember. Uh, And like I said, Mark Grimes is on the fence. Um, Okay, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, honestly, after the provincial election, I expected a lot of the uh, people that were defeated would enter the municipal election. Right, exactly. Um, Okay, it is what it is. For now, I mean, we're still they got till September twenty fifth or something. No, no, I think I think it's August nineteenth. Or August nineteenth, so it's still a ways out. Yeah, like that. So who knows? Okay. Uh, so Ward um, thirteen, Toronto Center. Um, I, I, I would have to go with Chris Moist based on the fact that you know email, phone number, website. And, uh, I mean, I've never heard of the other guy before. Again, I tried to look him up. I couldn't find him. Yeah. So. So would you say, and I think Ward 13 is probably the most critical ward for all of the GTA. Why why would you say that? Because of its geopolitical, you know, where it's situated. Okay. Right? That's my thoughts. Everything, you know, major... You know, be it a protest or a, a festival or whatever, happens usually in Ward 13. Certainly doesn't happen in my neck of the woods, you know, like that type of thing. Uh, that's just my thought. I, You know, it's almost like that person is at ground zero, whoever's the counselor there. But that's just my thinking. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Toronto Center, I believe that's... Uh, is that Bloor to... Um Queen, I don't know. I, I I don't remember the 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 boundaries for that one, but but you're right. Most most if not all the the protests and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. you know, even the even the naked bike ride I think goes through exactly. War, War Thirteen. Goes, everything goes through there, um, and I'm thinking it goes from. Um, why am I thinking it's going from? I'm gonna say Dundas, but I could be wrong. Down because it includes the center islands and everything. Anyway, whatever. Like that. Okay. But yeah, Chris is certainly putting in the effort so far. Absolutely. And now Ward 14, Toronto Danforth. There's nobody entered, which is which is uh, strange to me because, I mean, I would have thought that. Um, Oh, what's her name? Janet Davis? I remember when they squeezed it from 44 counselors down to 25. Two of them competed in this ward. It was Janet Davis and I can't remember the other lady's name. I don't even know. I don't even remember who the incumbent is right now, but I'm very surprised that nobody has entered. But this is a great opportunity for, for new blood to come in. It's a great opportunity for you. Now there's two opportunities, (laughs) and you would fit in much better with the Danforth crowd. Actually, funny story is I spent like a little bit of time living at Danforth and Logan. I actually attended grade nine in, uh, uh, there's a high school at Gerard and Broadview called Eastdale uh, Vocational Collegiate Institute or whatever it's called. 
Uh, I went there for grade nine because um, I lived in a, in a foster home on Logan Avenue, and I, you know, it was some of the best times of my life. There you go. There you go. You can start your political career right there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Throw 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 a party in throw a party in Withrow Park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so for Ward Fifteen, Don Valley West, I'm surprised. I don't know what's uh, what's going on. Uh, not to skip ahead, but either one of the Don Valleys, I don't see Denzel Min and Wong's name. Right. So either they're waiting or something like. I don't know if it's all strategic, if it's a mind game thing, or whatever. Or they want to see who their opponents are going to be. Yeah, I have no idea. But uh, Jane Robinson, she's I believe she's the incumbent. I could be wrong. But again, she's got the name identity. She's got the yeah. email. And she's she is actually one of the ones who has the name identity and provides an email and provides uh, social right. media. So that's I I would uh, I would pick her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. No, I do respect David for putting his phone number there. I gotta say, absolutely. Um, yeah, so she is the incumbent. Jane is. I'm on her Twitter, running for re-election in Ward 15. Blah blah blah. So there that... you go. She actually puts up here too, which is interesting. Road safety advocate. I think road safety. It's going to be more important now because we have so many bike lanes and all that. I think that's going to supersede the crime issues we have. That's just my gut feeling because there's bike lanes everywhere now, right? And so forth. So road safety, you know, uh, I think it's going to become a much more, you know. You notice how the bulk of the bike lanes, though, are in the downtown area? Yeah. Exactly. We don't really have. We have some bike lanes in the, here in the no. suburbs in Etobicoke, but we don't really no. have many. No, that Ward Thirteen. You see there, Matthew? It's <laughs> all there. It's happening there. We're on the outside looking in. Uh, okay. So Jay, it is for now. Anyway. So Don Valley East. There's only one guy, uh, Stephen Kizayek. I don't know how yeah. to pronounce that, but. Uh, I've never heard of him. I know he's he's running for the first time, maybe, um, because I know he's not in right now. No email, no phone, no nope. website. Yeah, nothing at all. But, like, maybe... I, I'm thinking if Denzel Min and Wong doesn't run, doesn't challenge John Tory to be mayor... He could run for his old seat in Don Valley East. It's a slam. Uh, it's a yeah. slam dunk for him. Exactly. It is. It is. Uh, so for for Ward Seventeen, Don Valley North, Shelly Carroll. She's the incumbent. Uh, yeah. She she's got the email address, so that's good. But uh, no disrespect to to Miss Carroll. I mean, she's probably a very nice lady. But it, like you were talking about before, term limits. We, yeah, we need limits. new. We need yeah, new exactly. blood. Yeah. So when you they, when she puts her name and she put it on first day of the nomination, Matt, it, it scares anyone else off. You know, it, it's just the way it is. You know, I would be myself. I could be the best person and have all this. I, it's right. not going to happen, right? Like that, unless you're, you know, 
very lucky. Right. Uh, or you dig up some dirt on her. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole key, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so Ward 18. You have th- three people. I think the middle one, Marcus O'Brien Ferrer, he's a... Uh, he, he kind of, he, I think he won a by-election, so technically he's he's the incumbent in a technical sense, but none of them, no email, no phone, no no, no nothing. Um, I do have a, an interview coming up with Marcus, so I'll be able to ask him questions and, and, and flush out what he sees, not only for the future of his ward, but for Toronto. And maybe I'll ask him the question, you know, why does why do candidates put their nominations through but with no email, no phone, no social right. media contact? Uh, there's there's no hope for it, uh, no hope. That's that's the wrong phrase. There's no it's it's very hard for constituents to get to know the people that are running in their ward if there's no way to get to know them. There's no contact, there's no website, nothing. They're not accessible. That's um, the word I was looking yeah. for. Yes. Exactly. It's and I believe, especially especially as a counselor, you should be very accessible. Like, Ab- that's the job, right? It's servitude. Absolutely. All politics should be, but especially at that level. Uh, so. Absolutely. I'll tell you this one quick story. So. I, I don't mean to throw shade on Mark Grimes. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I had called his office a few times. Not a few times. Probably once because I got impatient. Um, there was a really, really, really bad pothole. I mean really bad. Um, it was on a side street. Uh, but it was a side street that I drove on. And even though I knew it was there, sometimes I would forget. Or if it's night, I forget it's there. I don't see it. And boom, I go in it. And I called his office and I said, can you repair this pothole, whatever. And it it didn't get done. And I don't know that I gave him enough time. I know that I called, this was while Rob Ford was mayor. I called Rob Ford and it was fixed within 48 hours. But then I got a call from Mark going, you know, why did you do that? Because I'm thinking in my head, okay, so then Rob Ford must have went to Mark Grimes and went, what the fuck? Well, yeah, and he should. You know, Rob Ford should do that, you know? Um, yeah, well, it's too bad, guy. You had your shot. You know, you gave him even more than one shot from what you said. So. But, uh, yeah. anyway, getting back to it. So, in, in Ward 19, Beaches, East York... Uh, Mary Margaret McMahon, she was like, I, I think she's like kind of like a local legend there. I know she's very big, but now she's in provincial politics. Yeah. So I know that Brad Bradford won the um, the by-election, and now he's running again. But he's got no email, no phone, yeah. no, no website that tells me what he sees for his ward or for the city of Toronto. Just because he won a by-election does not guarantee that he's going to win this election. I wish I could say, yeah, you're right. There's no 100% guarantee. But, you know, if you look, like I said, the last provincial election, Doug Ford didn't even campaign. He didn't even have, he pushed away the media, which I don't blame him for, actually. But 
yeah, he didn't do interviews, nothing. He kept, uh, you know, and look what happened. Well, I will say, I will say that um, I actually live in his riding, and he didn't come around. Obviously, he's the premier, so it's a security issue. But his wife knocked on on my door, but I wasn't home. My wife answered the door, and they're like, because my wife doesn't like Doug Ford, so she's like, we're not voting for Doug Ford. Go away. And I'm like, how could you do that? So then... To, for for penance, I, I said I said I'm getting a Doug Ford sign and we're putting it on the lawn. And and my wife's like, no, I'm gonna rip it out. I'm like, I wish you would because for every sign you're gonna rip out, there's gonna be three more on there. So she left the sign alone. <laughs> cool, cool. So I'll give you a quick Doug Ford story too. Okay. Um, not a personal one, but uh, close to me anyway. So my closest friend, my best friend, he lives up in Uxbridge. Tornado hit about four weeks ago, as you know. His house was the one, actually, Jason Woodhams and his wife, Ashley, their house was the one that was completely destroyed. They lost everything. They were there. They were in Niagara Falls at the time. Anyway, so it made the news and everything. So they lost their whole house. And Doug Ford, two days later, stood in their driveway, literally, and was talking with them about, you know, certain things and whatever else. He came out, and, you know, you got to give him credit for that, you know, but he did that. Um, so, yeah, he, he's got his moments, you know. I think he takes a bit after his brother, or vice versa. You know, it's funny, because I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, we did an episode on Rob Ford as well, and I will say that my co-host thinks to this day because um, he's my wife's uncle, that's my co-host, uh, he thinks to this day that Doug Ford is still living off of the, the quote, legacy that Rob Ford created. And, and I disagree to a certain extent. I think that the Ford legacy is um, something that every Ford has participated in. I don't Definitely. know. Definitely. I think for Doug Ford, his appeal, just like Rob, he's relatable. You know, he's a common man. Like Absolutely. Um, so, going forward, uh, Ward Twenty, Scarborough Southwest, uh, seems like yes. a seems like a bit of a wide open field. But again, the the I guess this strategy didn't work uh, for Gary Crawford. He's the incumbent. No. You know, he registered pretty early in the race, yeah. but other people have registered. So Malik. I think he reached out to me. He reads uh, the paper, so he saw me as a column and this, whatever. So he reached out to me, and we had coffee at the Birch Cliff about maybe two weeks ago. And I sit down. Again, a lot of great ideas, this and that. Um, I might have pissed him off because, well, I did piss him off because I asked him, well, you know, not that I live in the ward, but I live right next to you. Never heard of you, guy. Don't know who the hell you are. Yeah, you got all these great ideas and all that. Blah, blah, blah. And same what I'm going to say with everyone there. Who are these people? Sorry, I know Crawford very well. A lot of times his ad appears right next to my column, you know? Yeah. So I know him well. I see him around here and there like that. However, he's the budget, right, uh, for Toronto? The budget, budget chief, yes. Right. And you just said it. If anyone's paying attention, well, yeah, the city's pretty screwed up monetarily-wise. Do we want to put the guy who's doing that as our counselor? That might hurt him. It might. But do people pay enough attention to put the two together? I don't know. 
That's uh, a good point. I would have to give it to him. Yeah. That's a great For point. Sure. Um, I would have to agree with you because yeah. going back to what I said about John Tory, you know, um, a vote. A vote for Gary Crawford is a vote for Gary Crawford, but a person who doesn't vote is also a vote for Gary Crawford. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. So definitely. So for yeah, I was given to Gary, even though Kevin, um, I don't know him, know him, but I know him from Twitter and all that, and he has a full presence as we see on social media. puts his email address there, and, and so forth. He's, I wouldn't say visible, visible, but he's the most visible. There's articles about stuff he's done in the community, you know, little things like that. Uh, he's hungry. I'll tell you that. If there's anything I know, he's hungry. Well, I've reached out. I've reached out to him, and Kevin, if you're listening, I'd love to sit down and interview you. I, I've been. I've. I've heard about him before. Yeah. Um, but I've never had the opportunity to uh, interview him. Cool. Okay. So for Ward 21, Scarborough Center, uh, it's like you said before, Michael Thompson, obviously. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a big gun, and maybe, maybe no one else is going to run. Uh, he is the incumbent, and, uh, you know, but again, I, I have to point it out. No email, no phone, no website. Exactly. Exactly. And he put his papers in quite, well, I wouldn't say late, but, you know, quite a few weeks after. So no one was really, and he, like, he really beat the, I remember, he, he got well over 12,000 or something votes. Uh, yeah, he's a well-known, for sure. Uh, though, I'm going to say something, because I live very close to the uh, Scarborough Center. I see from here, I can see all the you gotta admit, Scarborough Center has come a long way from back in the day. Like that, it's if you ever get a chance and you're in the area, go around Scarborough Town Center and the condos and all that. It, it's really come a long way. I don't. I'm not saying it's all because of Michael, but it's certainly not the same center that I remember when I first came to. I've been in the Scarborough area for about 20 years. So, certainly a chance. I used to live um, at Ellesmere and Markham Road. I used to uh, love coming to Scarborough Town Center. Did they Do they still have the movie theater in the mall, or is yeah, it like in the parking lot? Yeah. yeah, but now they have a bunch of restaurants outside the mall, uh, Alice Fasuli, this and that. Um, they have a, um, right across from the mall just there, uh, a bunch of food trucks, like a food truck um, permanently parked court or whatever you want to call it uh they've cleaned up the whole back end uh it looks really yeah it's come a long way that's awesome i have to come see that i love i love a good food truck that's the only that's the only reason i go down to uh, to nathan phillips square is for the food trucks (laughs) there you go exactly (laughs) yeah exactly so 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 far it's gonna be michael anyway obviously yeah and i i don't I honestly, I can't see anyone running against him. Not because maybe someone will, but uh, Michael Thompson will win. Yeah, Michael Thompson will win until he doesn't run in that ward anymore and he takes a shot at the mayor's chair. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, 
And there's a good chance he will do that, actually. Like that. So. So for Ward 22, Scarborough Aging Court, um, it's, uh, Nick Mantis, I believe, is the incumbent because he yes, won. He, he, yeah. he won the by-election. Right. I, I, so he squeaked in, right? Who did he, he replace? Mana Wong, which I'm surprised Mana, uh, and I was rooting for her, I'm surprised Mana didn't put in her papers yet. So I'll just give you some numbers here. So um, before you do that. 3,261 bef- votes. Hold on, before you, before you do that, who did Nick replace? Who was the previous incumbent? God, yeah. Uh, Jim... Yeah, he got into trouble, right, Jim? Oh, Karajanis. Okay, okay. Sorry. He was a Greek guy. Yes. And he got into some trouble because he filed his papers wrong or expenses or something. Right, I remember that. And Nick was his right-hand man. He was a staffer. I know that. Okay. Jim. So he got in with 3,261 votes, and she lost with only 30... 38 votes, so less than 200 votes, if my math is right, no, 200 and whatever, 21 votes or whatever, like it was so tight, the race, and then there was a bunch of nobodies uh, down there, like wow. That, so, wow, yeah, so, um, I, I like the fact that uh, Anthony has an email, phone number, website. I'm actually trying to, uh, we're trying to coordinate a time to uh, do an interview, so I look forward to that. I've reached out to Nick on Twitter, but he hasn't uh, responded. Um, I, it's, 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 a, it's, it's hard for me because I don't know this area that well, uh, but based on accessibility, I would have to go with Anthony. Your thoughts? I'm going to give it to Nick. Write this down. Write this down. I'll give it to him. Unless, if Manic puts her papers in, then I would give it to her. Okay. I mean, she put up a dog fight. I remember watching this uh, very carefully, like that. And she put up a dog fight, for sure. Like that. So. So now we go to Ward 23, Scarborough North. Uh you got the Cynthia Lau, who is the incumbent. I don't know if she won the by-election or she won the last election, but I know she's the incumbent. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have Fran- uh, Philip Francis, but again, both of them. No email, no phone, no website. Exactly. One of my first interviews was with uh, Jamal Myers. And even though he and I, we don't sit in the same political aisle, I listened to him. And he's got a lot of ideas. His passion came through the microphone. And he really... I'm going to pick him. Because not only do I think he should win, I want him to win. Yeah. Your thoughts? Again, the incumbent always has the better odds. Write this down. I'm telling you, I give it to Cynthia. Okay. Give it to her. Like that. So we're in my neck of the woods. And this doesn't surprise me. It's the first time I've, I've come on this page and all that. But I knew this is why he put his papers day one. No one's going to run up against him. And I'll just indulge me here for a second. I'll give you some numbers of how this guy is loved in this area. We're so talking about we're talking about Ward 24 and Paul Ainsley. Right. 
Okay. So in the last election, Matthew, he got 15,131 votes. The next person, Michelle Spencer, who keeps running as an NDP and all this, right? Socialist. Anyway, 1,933 votes. That's how much this guy's love. And then in the previous election, okay, when it was Ward 43 in 2014, 12,358 votes. The next person, Mark Harris, 1750. Wow. Like the guy, he annihilates. Then in 2010, he had 9,334 votes. The closest person at John Laforette, 4,440 votes. But he also falls under the category of. 100%. Term limits 100%. and career yeah. politician. Yeah, so he's uh, he first came in at uh, 2006. 100%. Um, I know him pretty well. We follow each other on social media, this and that. We see each other at events, you know, at Gilwood, this and that. Hey, how you doing, Nick? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, he loves my stuff, this and that, back and forth. And we know each other pretty well uh, like that. Like the guy, he's done an amazing job. But I do believe in new blood. I think there's things that are still... He's playing the political game, right? He's not looking to offend anyone, you know? So he's cow-toting, you know, trying to play that fence. It's worked for him. But then on the flip side, there's a lot of things in this area that um, still need a lot of work, you know, type of thing. I don't know if you've driven down Kingston Road lately in this area. Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's a little dicey sometimes like that. But anyway, live thing. Um, i got to give him another thing, too. Very accessible. Like that. Very accessible guy. Okay, uh, that's that's good to know. I'll give it to him. But. In Ward 25, Scarborough Rouge Park. This is your ward, yes? No, it's 24 is my Oh, point. I apologize. I, I thought... That's where my wife ran. Yeah, so I'm in 24. Okay. Yeah, right on the border, uh, like that. So, we used to live when it was Ward 44, um, six years ago or whatever. And so, yeah, we used to live in that, but now it's Ward 25, like that. Um, Jennifer, definitely. There, there's no way she won't. I will say that um, I look at this list every day and a couple days ago or whenever it was when they when these first two when Anita and Ashan first uh, had their nominations uh, the email and phone numbers were blank Mm -hmm. so they I guess recently changed that I'll be interested in the week following because I'll, I'll give people a week or two following when I release this episode, how many emails, phone numbers, and websites are going to yeah. be filled in. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So Jennifer and I follow each other on Twitter and stuff, and there's one thing i got to say about her. She has fun with the job. She's always out there. If you follow her on Twitter, you'll see she's always planned. She's an environmental scientist uh, like that. Planting trees did a hell of a lot of work for the Rouge Valley area 
pre-planning this and that, supports a lot of women's causes, things like that. She is constantly food banks, delivering food, this and that. Yeah, it's a lot of photo ops. But let me tell you, she's constantly out there. I don't think she even goes to City Hall that much. Though she does get a lot of photo ops to probably to most of all the councillors with John Tory. I'm almost saying she's sucking up to the guy, but I don't know. <laughs> but she does a lot of that. It seems that way. Just last week, there was something, uh, an announcement. She's there with him, you know, whatever. I, I got to give her. She, so we've had, me and my wife had had talks with her and all that. And, you know, she's phony. I'm, 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 I, I think I'll, I'll say that. And if she hears it, she'll know it, but whatever. <laughs> but she gets... She's out there having fun. She has political aspirations, too, apparently, to go up more like that. So, I don't know. But she's doing the job, right? And she doesn't fall under term limits. This is her first term. I'm inclined to agree with you that she would win. Um, it, It all comes down to that one thing, and that's accessibility. Um, I find that if, for example, a Shan has email and phone number, so he's made himself accessible. Mm-hmm. And um, but Jennifer, not only she's not only is she the uh, incumbent, she's got the name recognition as well. Yeah. So I, you know what? I will agree with you. It, no. She would win. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, uh... You know, and it always goes back to what I said earlier, Matthew. When I look at other names like Sean, Anita, who are these people? I, I don't know you. Were are you volunteering in the community? This, that. I have no clue who you are. Though, and this is the thing, Matthew. Why I keep bringing this up in today's world with social media and all that, which I play around with a hell of a lot. It's not hard to get visibility in your community. Like, you know, it's not it's not like 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, right? Right. You know, like, it's not that hard like that. And not to brag, like, I have 150, over 157,000 Twitter followers, for example. But I know Jennifer pops into my feet. So does Paul Amesley, you know, and all that. They know. I don't think they're doing it. I think they have somebody else doing their Twitter and all that and their social media. But they're still, with all the noise I get, they're still somehow able to bubble up, and I got to give them credit for that. And that's what it's all about, right? It's if not anything name recognition. At least show me visibility. What have you done? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Like, yeah, and uh, for a paycheck, as it seems like. But that's the cynic in me, anyway. And that's going to conclude this. Uh, I, I I had a lot of fun. This was great. No, I I did too. Thank you so much for. For for coming on, I'll definitely let you know when I post this, and I'll send you the link so that we can both uh, um, yeah. share it with everybody. And oh, I will. Thank Trust you. Me. It's gonna go viral. <laughs> It'll go viral. I'll make sure of that. Thank you so much for 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 coming on, and uh, you know maybe we can uh, do this again for another election. Hopefully, or or you know what we can we can talk about a different topic altogether. Like um. I don't know if I told you, but, uh, oh, that's my dog, sorry. Uh, I don't know if I told you, but, um, I don't know if I should say, but I've got a very special episode coming up um, 
towards the end of the summer and it's all about the titanic i'm actually going to be yeah. interviewing someone who's like a, a, a professor of um of uh of that kind of not that he's a professor of the titanic uh but he like he studied it for years and years and years and years and he was actually um i, I i'm not i i only spoke with him once uh i don't so he's had contact with the last remaining survivors or he knows of them and they're all gone now they've all passed but he kept track of of the last known survivors and all that stuff so we're going to get into all that for that episode and i can't wait it's going to be a great episode definitely definitely yeah look forward to that for but sure. thank you so well, much again for having me on matthew and reaching out and so mm. forth really appreciate it yeah i had fun Definitely for a Thursday night. This has probably been the most fun I've had in a long time. You know, like uh, that. So glad. Thank okay. you again so much, and uh, you have a wonderful evening. Okay, you too. Thank you.